You're listening to Napa Valley College Now on NapaBroadcasting.com. Thanks for joining us here at NapaBroadcasting.com. Recently, you may have heard or read that Napa Valley College is not going to proceed with putting a bond on the ballot for the November election. What you may not have heard is that A, this doesn't mean never. Two, that for now the college is looking for other self-sustaining and internally generated ways to meet its needs. Three, it's looking for new and even better ways to integrate with, get help from, and serve the business community. Four, it's looking at exciting public-private partnerships, which are essential these days. And most of all, it's approaching student success as its priority and doing it in the more progressive and metric-driven approach consistent with the chancellor's office and evolving state policy. All of this is a tall order, but our guest, Ron Kraft, is up to the challenge. Dr. Ron Kraft is the president and superintendent of Napa Valley College, and it is my pleasure, as always, to welcome him here to NapaBroadcasting.com. Ron, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be here. It is great to have you here. I want to start with what people have read about lately, and that is this whole question of the bond issue. It's it's odd how uh, I know a number of people have approached it because it's as if something was taken away, something was not going to happen. In fact, there was nothing there to start with. The decision was either affirmative or not, whether to put it on, whether to go with it at this point in time, or not. So nothing was really taken away. The decision was made that this wasn't the ideal time to do it for a whole host of reasons. You said it exactly. I mean, from a, a maybe another vantage point, looking at it a bit historically, you know, we've been gathering information since the 2014 bid when we went out and narrowly lost. So part of the question was, you know, uh, does the community support a, a tax initiative for a bond? And that was that was close. So we figured at that point, yeah, they do. Um, can we can we count on fifty five percent? Not sure of that. So really, what we did over the last four years plus is homework. Um, do a facilities master plan, educational master plan, technology, all the master plans that we have to do, mm-hmm. and um, kind of integrate them. Say okay, in a project list, taking the college all the way to 2042, which is its 100-year anniversary, right? Probably a good marker just to think about. Right. What, were the, what, what do we need to educate all of these hundreds of thousands of students who will roll in? Um, at any one point in that time between 14 and now, there were excellent times that might have been great to ask the community for a bond. Everything's good, there's no fires, there's no earthquake. You know, we have, you know, stable, wonderful political leaders at every level, you know, assessments are coming in wonderful, all those things. But we are also pegged by the election cycles. So when we started looking at, I started looking at mm-hmm. the, the midterm in November, as you as you said really eloquently in, the, in your lead-in, there's too many federal issues too many state issues and too many local issues for people really to feel comfortable and for me to feel comfortable in asking them. So we're just continuing on with what we're doing, collecting information. What, what do you value? What can we change? Um, and we're not certainly not taking anything away. We are just simply continuing our conversation with the community. Right. I mean, the important thing that, that people need to understand is that these are 
political processes, that, that mm -hmm. these bond issues happen not in a vacuum. It's not the only thing on the ballot, mm -hmm. but they happen in the context of elections and how people are feeling about a host of other issues really do have an impact on these things. I mean, the most money that's going to be spent in this election cycle is not on any candidate, not on any particular race statewide or locally or anything else. The most money that's going to be spent is going to be trying to kill the gas tax, Proposition 6. So you're going to have a maximum amount of people out there who are just inclined to vote no on taxes. It's not the best environment for anybody, not just Napa Valley College or anybody across the state, to have any kind of a bond issue. And, it, and it's a framework that's unfortunate. It's like that old you know, counseling questions, you know, how often do you beat your wife? Right, right. Uh, you know, the other question that's analogous to that is, you know, uh, how much do you like taxes? <laughs> so you're never, you, you know, g getting a plurality, 55% of the folks to say, gee, I love taxes is the wrong question. Y you know, the, the right question that I really want to concentrate on is to what do you, what do you want the college to do or accomplish what do you really value in the college and what do we need to do that so if it's really about educating the students in the valley giving them a fair shake a start a success platform if you will do we want them to go to this college and stay in the valley and then work and contribute and grow families and all of that those are broader pieces so it's a it's this is not a question about taxes it's a question about a student success and value Right. And, and really how people value the college. And as you were just saying, it's not just plain vanilla. It's not mm -hmm. just kids coming through here as, as, as sort of an assembly line. Yeah. Some of them are coming through for, for career reasons. Some are coming through to transfer. I mean, there's a whole host of reasons. And some are coming through for things that are very indigenous to the valley, whether it's uh, viticulture and the winery program or the culinary program or the hospitality program. These are things that are, that are critical here in this valley and, and to business here. Our 76th year, we open up in August, just a couple weeks away after celebrating our 75th anniversary last year. And this cycle in, in our, uh, our college planning for 18-19, we go academic years, um, is really about visioning for the future. And, and you did hit on that. We, we live in a very agriculturally rich uh, and developed county that has provided enough resource and has enough options in terms of our public-private partnerships or our private-private partnerships, you know, working with the city right. or working with other folks to get a, a lot accomplished and continue to move the college towards its towards its vision um, without, to your basic concept, you know, seeking a bond at the moment. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that you won't do it two years from now or four years from now or, or what have you. Exactly. I mean, well... Unless the fundamental rules change in the state, the the needs of a college for a a, a large um, building, for example, a, a new classroom building or a laboratory building, you know, of, of large scale, we have to build, plan, build, execute, and deliver to um, the most NASA-like standards on the planet. I mean, literally. Um, you could build your home for $400 a square foot, 
that's a home and you're not getting you know sued by people who come in all the time right. or they're not using it you know so for us some laboratory spaces are extraordinarily expensive per square foot so you're really saying can you can you from the community expect a partnership that will bring you a 35 or 40 million dollar building and the answer is no the only way to get those long term infrastructure buildings or you know um deep kind of infrastructure technology needs are through facilities bonds. Right. And so the, the college will someday have to pass a bond to continue to serve the, the students. Meanwhile, there's lots for us to do right. and a lot of ways to do it. And, and one of the things people need to understand is that no matter how much it may be desired, the money for those facilities is not coming from the state. That's just not happening. No, it's not. Um, the and and there's some I I kind of like from a real prudent business um, mm -hmm. you know frame the rainy day fund that you know um, Governor Brown has put aside. There absolutely will be a downturn. Um, some oh, yeah. some people talk about that being you know one or two or five years away, but it will be. I mean, just cyclical. So rather than distribute all that money back out to facilities for schools now. They're earmarking it for student success initiatives versus buildings. So support for students versus a supportive structure for students is is a difference right now. And I'm I'm fine with that. At some point, new governor, new legislature, they'll they'll probably look at it differently. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's really analogous to you and I worrying a little bit about the bridges and roads in the United States or California. Right. But they're okay right now, so why don't we just do some other things? And then at some point in time, it's, it's okay, you got to fix this infrastructure. And that will take a legislative change at the state level. Right. Talk a little bit about student success and what that means. It's, it's one of those phrases that gets thrown out so much and people use it interchangeably. It's really become fungible with so many different agendas. When, when you talk about student success, when the college talks about it, when the state talks about it, what does that mean? Success is uh, uh, in quotes. And the, the probability that a student will be successful when they come to the college can be, depending on your definition, 100% or less than 10%. So let me unpack that a little bit. Mm -hmm. So would you consider, if I were to ask you or, or our audience, if a student wants to come in for a degree in hospitality, they say, oh, I'd like to do a degree, and they take three courses in hospitality, it's all going well, they get a, they get a raise, or even a, jo a small job promotion at their at their institution or where they're, wherever they're working, and they lay out. They don't re-up for the next semester or maybe don't come back for years. Successful or not successful? In, in the answer to that question is 100% successful. But they didn't achieve their educational right. path. They didn't need to. You know, it's... Um, you know, you, you shoot the target until you hit the bullseye. Well, what if you have 10 shot possibilities, but you hit it on the first one and you win the prize? Okay. Right. I'm, job well done. 
many educators across the United States are rethinking what success means. So, and, and that shows up in a good way from a master's degree necessary down to a four-year, and we've talked about this, mm-hmm. down to a two-year degree, down to now certifications are, are, are well understood, down to many certifications, which are getting more understood, um, down to you know strong kind of workforce initiatives for skill seekers or skill builders. A skill builder is that student I just talked about who is successful if they come in and take a class and can change their life. So what's that do for the future? That's the, that's the big question. What do we need to, to satisfy that? On top of that, and if that's not confusing enough, is a community college is a circle of students, overlapping circles. You know, 18 to 22, which is mm-hmm. the typical, right, you know, university student. You know, where are you going to go? You know, that question is about addressing a senior in high school about their college career. Um, we serve about 30%, and, and as all community colleges do, about 30% of their population. Um, if you were to go to a, a UC or an SCU, they're about 90% of, of those folks, you know, an, an incoming freshmen. Right. So um, we've got to decide, and we're having deeper conversations about who, who is our student, what success mean for them, and are we supposed to define success, or are they? And I think the the current practices are students are designing their own curriculum. Those colleges that are most successful allow students to say, what would you like to take? And in fact, we can customize a degree program for you. And that speaks right to Gen X, millennials. It, sp- it speaks across the board. It's not for baby boomers. We were you know tell me what i need to do right and i'll get there but it also speaks to the changing nature of the workplace today yeah that the demands are different whether it's high end low end it doesn't matter that the demands are much more specific Mm -hmm. and they don't have to be as as broad right and that's and that's changed too i mean it's all cyclical anybody's that has been in this business for very long understands that the apprenticeship programs and the what we used to call way back in the day, you know, 25 years ago, you know, vocational mm-hmm. um, education went out of vogue. And then everybody was into STEM in the 90s right. and 2000. And, and if you were smart or, or had uh, the wherewithal, you would do that. Now the pendulum has swung back over to say, here's a question again, you know, at a cocktail party. Given everything, would you want your son or daughter to be a doctor or a plumber? Now, almost always, you're going to expect parents to say, you know, well, of course, a doctor, right? And then you just unpack it. Does that mean, are you giving everything, would you like your son or daughter to be in debt $500,000 or making $500,000 a year? So the answer to that one is, (laughs) well, I'd like the second choice. (laughs) And then you have to say, well, that's a plumber. Because an average MD is making less than fifty thousand off the street, in in doc in a box in social medicine, and a few are making big dollars. But you know, so that's a conversation that's changing. It's really a conversation that was had in the forties and fifties, and sixties died in the seventies, eighties through 
the millennium and is now resurfacing again to say, well, maybe it is okay if my son or daughter owns their own business or becomes, right. uh, goes into one of the trades. Right. And, and the nature, the jobs are changing. The nature of jobs are changing. Some of them are changing broadly, and mm-hmm. some of them are really community-related, as we were talking about before with, with the areas of, of real success in this community. Yes. I mean, you know, for, for sure, we are, in my view, and, I, and I'm starting my seventh year, so I couch that with I've got a lot to learn, but I, but I have observed a lot. Um, a, a unique but also wonderfully successful um, single industry valley, and I don't mean wine. I just mean the, the the hospitality industry, along with restaurants, culinary, right. wine, really drives everything. Um, everything else you can just base on that. People come here for all those reasons. Right. So the job market for the Valley will continue to be, um, I, I think, primarily driven by that hospitality, viticulture, wine industry. Tourism, all of that is same, right. Same it's piece. all part of the same. You know, piece, do right. we? So, what do you do with Google, who moves here, or a manufacturing firm that moves here, or, or something else? And it's it, it it works, but I can't see that in in the bigger picture. Right. You know, changing. Right. It's so, not going to yeah. change, mm-hmm. and 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 it's really the only way to keep young people, to keep the community vibrant, and to keep any amount of young people here, mm-hmm. is really focusing on the jobs and the industries that. That are here, exactly right. And so you, the conversation again back. We're asking a lot of questions between parents and children, you know. So depending on the cultural background and the conversation, it's are, are you going to stay in the valley after you complete your education, whatever that might mean, right? Um, either to help the family if the family needs that kind of help to stay in the valley financially, right, or to be near your family if you have the wherewithal to earn a living in the valley that makes sense. The valley pays well. I mean, there's a lot of jobs for mm-hmm. n- non-degreed um, folks that pay well over 100000 a lot of jobs. And so you think on, on the face of it, can they live here? And barely. <laughs> Barely at a hundred thousand, you know. But you take home, you start to look at it, and we're better off than most of the Bay Area in that respect. Oh yeah, it seems so high here yeah. and out of control. But you know, we're a bargain. That's why some of the dot comers are kind of rolling in, right? Right. right. Um, and and the debate for affordable housing, for um, workforce housing, all of that is really admirable. And I I hope that we can begin to have more cohesive conversations so it's not about development for development's sake it's not about no growth for no growth's sake it really gets to this balance so i'm starting to hear some more balanced conversations right it's it's about balance and it's also about as we were talking about the demographics who's going to live here i mean the, the population in napa in general in the county is getting older and older and older so what do you do to bring young people in you've you've got to bring them in in the industries that are here it, that's true I mean and, and and we're not big enough you know geographically to have a deep 
group of options for students. So I was I was thinking as you were talking about right. Palm Springs or Palm Desert, right? Mm-hmm. Same issue, you know, big retirement, huge skewed population, you know, sixty plus. But underlying that are are the service kind of workers or regular folks who keep all those things working, and but their population is so much bigger and right. broader. Well, I mean, it's interesting because it's a little more complex there in that the aging industry is the industry there. Yeah, it's right. really taking care of the right. retirement community, whether it's service workers, whether it's medical, and there's a huge medical community there, mm-hmm. or, or whether it's golf courses, whatever it is. It really is about retirement. It is about taking care of that aging population. I heard somebody say something interesting the other day a, a, a major hospitality leader in the, in the valley that said you know the question was asked how do you think we're doing in terms of our image in the world image locally and with businesses and he says napa valley hits way above its weight all the time and so that means that a restaurant must be it doesn't have to be Michelin starred, but it's got to be excellent and excellent staff, excellent right. chef, all of that, which, again, will translate in this town to um, a $20 burger, which means right, you're pricing out people on fixed incomes. And so what are their options now? Um, I've also been told... And, and um, I'm not quite sure of this, but I think it's correct that Napa is now rapidly aging to become, the I think, the, one of the oldest counties in the state. Right. We're also one of the most uh, Latino. We're a waiting ethnic. room for Palm Springs now. That's exactly <laughs> right. Oh, I like that. I like that. Um, our Latino ethnic group is um, also one of the largest in the state. I think we're one of the few counties who has passed the minority majority majority majority, right yeah um we also have the dubious distinction of being one of the counties with the most compliance and regulations in the state on the so when you're into all of that you know which is a good thing bad thing right can you 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 know you you can't build a lot of cheap housing you know and you can't build a lot of expensive housing so and there's no market for the middle so it, it, it creates this big dilemma, um, and this is where the college can help by stepping in to do some you know, um, staff and faculty housing right. and also some student housing. Right. And I want to talk about that, but, but just to sort of pull all of the things that we've been talking about together, mm-hmm. what it really says is how sensitive the college has to be to all of the things that are going on in the community, that, that the college can't sit here as some shining beacon on the hill that it has to really be in touch with and responsive to all the things that are going on in the community, the demographics, the business mm-hmm. changes, the economic changes, that that all is, is a critical part of it and that it's, that it's a loop, that it's a two-way street, that the college is responding to what's happening and in some ways what's happening is responding to whether or not the workforce is here. Exactly. I mean, you said it. I could repeat what you just said because it's pretty <laughs> amazingly articulate. Another way to look at that is the 
the town and gown piece, mm-hmm. you know, the insulated, you know, we're going to do what we want. Right. Again, a, a really good way to look at all of this, I think, Jeff, is historically. The, the, you know, if you look at the college in the beginnings in 42, we are pretty much right there in our conceptual framework now, which is local, addressing the needs of the community because there was a great need for that. Mm-hmm. And trying to grow the economy as a hub as a center centerpiece and then you can kind of go through a lot of iterations of state pieces and access and transfer we're all, we're doing it all well and we're back now you know working on you know 100 years later almost right 75 years later to a, being a very strong hub for community needs any days of the college and the community not working together are long past. That's what I've been working for from mm-hmm. day one. Um, the board is uh, incredibly active um, in creating open lines of communication and um, understandings with city, county, community members, all, all of those people. So we have a growing number of, of uh, citizens and, and community organizations now talking to my office or other offices throughout the organization every day. Right. And those things are more important than ever. I want to come back to this housing issue and, and some of the things that the college is looking at in that regard. Some of it's mm-hmm. been written about. There was uh, a TV story, I guess, not too long ago, and some articles in the register about the college looking at student and faculty housing. Where does all that sit right now? Yeah, it's, uh, uh, again, uh, um, you have to filter it through the, the lens of NAPA. So housing has been a topic of conversation at the college for well over 25 years so the boards different elected boards have been talking about the 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 idea of college housing um for a long long time the the last iteration of this all the confluence of all the all the stuff we've talked about right. has just kind of hit so it, it makes sense for the college now to move forward in student housing, we are um, issuing a an RFP this month for the engagement of, of research. So we really want to just dig in and and see what um, how much demand there is, how big a student housing complex should be, and then what it should look like if it's apartment style mm-hmm. or or what what that might look like. At the same time, we are going to be um, asking our staff and our faculty um, and past staff and faculty along with potentially other educators in the county um, how they feel about um, you know college oriented or a campus village concept and what would be attractive to them mm-hmm. my guess is people are going to come in with you know how much right, <laughs> right. Um, and the, the, here's the good news we're not we don't have to be competitive and we're not trying to be a market driven anything so our goal would be to be under market and uh, and allow new faculty especially um, call it first five years maybe mm-hmm. to l- land on their feet take a job bring their family here into Napa so it's conceivable that a new faculty member would be in a faculty uh, campus village complex here close to campus um, and 
in that relationship have uh, you know a, kinder, a kindergartner well there's the answer for a lot of things living working spending earning getting these people in the system and then at some point in time we hope that they would be able to then get their feet under them find the opportunity for other housing or right more as we go that model has worked all across the United States at colleges and universities and is now expanding pretty fast in California in community colleges. How are there a lot of community colleges that are that are looking at this? Yeah, there are 15 right now mm-hmm. um, or so. That number changes that have um, existing um, housing for students and faculty and staff. Um, different variations, right? Yeah, but it's not a new concept at all, and that's California. And if you move outside of the other states, the community colleges look pretty much like private colleges or the UC systems or or, um, the California State University system. What's always been intriguing to me is is talking with people who think it's an odd idea for a major college to have housing Um, because it's such a it's such a uh, it's historically I mean it's a 400 year old idea uh, of which (laughs) almost all colleges and universities across the United States have that. So we're in this very small group of those who don't. And um, so we're getting there, though. I'm, you know, I'm and in more. many ways, it seems that Napa is ideally situated to experiment with this, to do this, to look at this. One, because of the cost of housing here, right. which is, is prohibited for a whole host of reasons. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the reality is that even though we're not landlocked, we are because you can only expand so far right. because of what, what the laws are and what the rules are, and because we're a destination, not just a destination for tourists and wine and food and hospitality, but all the, but so many of those programs here are destinations. That's right. I mean, it, it, again, you've said it so well <laughs> that the, um, the, the housing market here has got a major dilemma, which is because we're worldwide famous and a destination, the minute a house goes on the market, under market, targeted for local residents, it, it, they'll never see the light of day. Right. I mean, investment bankers or, or groups would buy that up instantly because they can lease it back at more than what they paid for. So there is a, a great window of opportunity and, and maybe responsibility for the college now to work forward and provide um, at least the option of housing for faculty, staff, and students. Right. And the land is there. Land is there. We have no land cost. So, and our building um, ideas on logistics right now are, are utilizing, back to the, our state, mm-hmm. utilizing state municipal bonds, not local right. taxes, not local bonds, but state municipal bonds, which are for sale for institutional investors. So there is no cost per se to the and to the local taxpayers the college hopefully would recognize any extra income that would then be used to support student activities or continue to even further reduce the rents um, so it's it's a really win 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 and finally are you getting the sense that the community and we talked a little bit about the electeds and and, and mm-hmm. the officials in the community the community citizens are getting a better sense of all of these things that the college is doing. 
Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, it, it, another question that that comes up is, you know, what kind of bubble do educators live in? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so I have intentionally over the last, you know, three or four years, especially, reached out to all different kinds of levels, uh, you know, throughout the county. So not just the leaders that I see are political mm-hmm. that I see because we, you know, we recognize the big picture and what has to happen. But in talking with a lot of community members um, from moms and dads at PTA to book clubs to in- anybody that I can engage in a conversation mm-hmm. and the, the overwhelming response, and I believe this is statistically but also just true, is that there's a one-to-one relationship with a college. Everybody knows about the college. And literally, I'm just going to say 90 to 90% plus, admire the college and value the college. think we're doing good work. So it's, it's highly valued for the work we're doing. And people are thrilled that they have a strong college in the Valley. Dr. Ron Kraft, I thank you so much. Thank you very much. NapaBroadcasting.com, the online radio home of Napa Valley College.